Good morning and assalamu alaikum my dears. I hope you all are doing well. So, what did we do in the last class? I think in the last class I had uh, continued last class meaning it would be the second class of deconstruction. I had given you two terms, decentering and uh, deconstructing a sign. So I think you are fairly well, you know, you have uh, acquainted yourself with the terms. Decentering, how the center significance is not there, how the structure is no longer there. I gave you the example of marriage, the democracy, etc. And then uh, we came on to deconstructing a sign, deconstruction of sign. What Derrida means by deconstruction. Okay, so deconstruction of a sign, how the... Uh, signifier and signified become, uh, goes on shifting the endless shift of meaning that is what was meant by deconstruction of the sign so we gave I gave you the example of how uh, when you say the word cat or you hear the word cat the signifier that comes to your mind and then uh, what else comes to your mind so this kind of shifting in meaning there is no fixed signified for a signifier and uh, I had uh, given the example of the lion, how uh, the image of a lion or the word lion brings to your mind a certain uh, signifiers which keeps on transferring from one to the other. So uh, that was what we covered in the last class. So now moving on. So today's term that I've taken is logocentrism. Now, basically, logocentrism is a term that was coined by the German philosopher Ludwig Klegs in the early 1900s. It basically refers to the tradition of the Western science and philosophy that regarded, uh, what can we say, the desire or uh, that uh, regarded words and language as the fundamental expression of an external reality. That is, importance is given to words. Importance is given to the uh, medium that is used. Uh, in other terms, we can say logocentrism. The logos, it refers to reason. You know, reason versus emotion. When you have reason and emotion, how reason is given prominence. Centrism meaning that becomes the centrism that is focused. I hope you remember post-colonialism, we spoke of Eurocentrism, how the European culture was centered, how everything was seen from the European point of view. So here, logocentrism, the logos is given significance. Now, what do logos mean? Logos could mean words, language. On another level, it, it can refer to the intellect, reason, which says logos is epistemologically superior and that there is an original irreducible object which the logos represent so the logos that is reason intellect giving more importance to uh, reason rather than emotion giving importance to thoughts rather than feelings this kind of concept is what is basically logos logos can also be seen as uh, speech the term for speech. So, according to Derrida, logocentrism is the attitude that logos, logos meaning the Greek term for speech, thought, law, reason, 
so that is the central principle of language and philosophy so according to the western science and philosophy from the time of plato we have how this uh, reason is given importance plato and all focus always focused on the concept of uh, you know what can we say the content the morality behind a work uh, so uh, that kind of concept how reason how la uh, what can we say uh, thought is given importance rather than the emotion so here it can be extended to also refer to a speech logos also represent it is a greek term for speech so logocentrism in a view according to derrida it means that speech is given central importance speech is important rather than writing so as literature students uh, what would you say what would you think that speech and writing which would you consider the most important you know on one level when we are asked that question we always have this feeling in our mind that of course speech is important right why would speech be important because speech is something what can we say spontaneous a person speaking something rather than writing something speaking something so it is very authentic very real writing a written text it could be written by anyone it is unanchored unanchored in the sense you know unless you read it there is no meaning something written somewhere in a piece of paper so imagine something is written in a piece of paper and the concept here is that it is it does not have meaning unless someone reads it right so that kind of a concept so logocentrism viewed speech is superior superior or central to language what is most important aspect of language it's speech now focusing towards written there according to logocentrism speech has the positive qualities of originality center and presence so in speech there is a presence there is a speaker so that is more authentic i told you very original and there is a center the speaker is there so that is what is meant by logocentrism uh, a term coined by german philosopher ludwig kleist and uh, derrida has taken this term and analyzed it and he is saying that logos representing speech represents thought reason so it is the central philosophy of language and philosophy actually derrida is critiquing this concept of logocentrism he is not supporting logocentrism that you have to be clear so logocentrism when you understand the term logocentrism it is not a term that was introduced by derrida it is not a concept that is favored by derrida derrida uh as a philosopher he is critiquing the concept that the western science and philosophy till now they have been giving importance to thought reason and speech now here it is said that logocentrism if we have a few more points on logocentrism it says that language originates as a process of thought which produces speech and that speech then produces writing okay so you see the hierarchy there you know your importance what comes in your mind it are uh, it is what produces speech it is very authentic now this speech can later produce writing so writing is always secondary whereas speech is always considered primary okay 
Now, logocentrism this asserts that writing is a substitute for speech and that writing is an attempt to restore the presence of speech. Okay, so logocentrism, according to that concept, writing is only a substitute, it is only secondary. It is only the second uh, position that writing has compared to speech and it is an at attempt to restore the presence of speech. That is where speech cannot be present, there you have writing. If a person cannot go and tell something to someone, he writes a letter. That is speech writing is an attempt to restore. So where speech cannot be, there writing comes in. So it is like, you know, very secondary position. Like, you know, first and second hand position. So, second hand position is only given to writing. Writing only has secondary or derived status ever since Plato. So, we are speaking of the Western philosophy ever since the time of Plato. Now, Derrida, as a philosopher, he has always been con uh, interested in this particular opposition that is between writing and speech. We all know Derrida has always given importance or he has always been interested in this concept of, you know, uh, binary oppositions. In uh, what can we say, in structuralism, we have the binary oppositions and in uh, Derrida uh, deconstruction, you have how he depends. Uh, what can we say, disputes this concept of binary opposition. He says there is no binary opposition. Nothing is the opposite of the other. One is not, one should not be given importance over the other. So in writing and speech, it's a binary opposition. It is an opposition and uh, writing is given only the secondary position compared to speech. Now here is what, where Derrida introduces the concept or he introduces the term archi-writing which is actually a word of French origin, which means arc-a-creature. Arc-a-creature, it is the French term, and that is the term that Derrida has uh, coined, arc-a-creature. Derrida's works are all uh, available in French, and it has been translated to other languages. He is a French philosopher. So the term is arc-a-creature, which is translated into English as arch-writing. Okay, so he is trying to reorient or what can we say, uh, restate the relationship between speech and writing. Now, what is art writing? It refers to a kind of writing that precedes both writing and speech. Got the idea? It is a kind of writing that precedes both writing and speech. It, Rocky writing is in a sense, a language that is already there before we use it so before you know even the spoken language comes there is a form of writing present and that writing is called archi-writing okay so it refers to a kind of writing that precedes both writing and speech now how do you understand this concept of archi-writing now you you have the theory with you what is archi-writing it is a kind of writing that precedes both writing and speech i'll give you a very simple example Suppose a child, he calls his father, daddy, for the first time. Okay. So, logocentrism, according to logocentrism, speech is important because the child first learns or he first speaks a word. 
right a baby first starts speaking and then only starts writing no babies uh, will start with writing first right so speech comes always first so this child or this baby child he called his father daddy maybe at the age of 1 or 1 and a half or maybe 2 years old he's calling his father daddy it's the first time he's calling his father daddy so speech is coming there first so speech is important but according to arc writing derrida argues that the child in his brain someone has already written or someone has already uh, what can we say uh, imprinted in his mind this image of his father and the concept that this man this man with the beard and mustache is his father it is his daddy so it is already written in his brain that is why he had called that person daddy i hope you got the concept here so an idea that comes into that is imprinted on your brain or that is imprinted in a system okay when you speak of uh, uh, the structure as such you know the whole society as a system first so something is already imprinted there you know this man he did not suddenly become the daddy because the child calls him the daddy right this man was his daddy and this concept was imprinted in his brain first it was written in his brain first this writing is called arc writing so arc writing came first so arc writing is of supreme importance there you got the idea so this arc writing is that concept of uh, a writing that precedes both writing and speech so the child does not speak first and then write he already has something written in his brain and that writing is called arc writing okay now we'll have a small bio about shack derida it's a french name so you don't uh, pronounce it jacques derida you can pronounce it that way if you want to get the spelling right you want to you know have that in your brain uh, in your mind so that you don't get it wrong it's actually pronounced as a french name that's pronounced shack derida So he is an Algerian born, born French philosopher he analyzes the nature of language writing and meaning and he was a highly influential philosopher in the 20th century this is a basic concept that you already know he is a principal exponent of deconstruction he coined the term as a fundamental of uh, examining the conceptual distinctions or binary oppositions as i told you His contributions were welcomed by structuralists of the era. He led a movement beyond structuralism that is called post-structuralism. Now here he is, uh, you know, the skeptical or he was doubtful about the possibility of a general science of meaning. Here we have this concept about the signifier and signified deconstructing the sign. So how he changes structuralism or how he takes structuralism to a new level. the new level is called post structuralism now some of his major works three of his major works that came out in the year 1967 are writing and difference of grammatology speech and phenomena uh he has you know analyzed and taken work uh, the writings and uh, he has you know concepts from the great psychoanalysts uh, freud uh, husserl uh Jean Jacques Rousseau so he has used all their concepts in building his own new concept in 1972 dissemination and margins of philosophy another work 
Glass, 1974. It's an experimental book in which he is analyzing the philosophy of Hegel and Jean Genet. Uh, I hope you learned a balcony. Yeah, Jean Genet. Then uh, he, uh, one might distinguish in Derrida's work a period of philosophical deconstruction from a later period of focusing on literature. So he was mainly a philosopher and he also focused on literature. Now his later work uh, and he also, uh, you know, his later works took up a lot of other issues like the legacy of Marxism, psychoanalysis, etc. Other essays had uh, many things of political, legal, ethical issues. Uh, aesthetics, literature, uh, his autobiographical work, Circumfession. Again, it's a portmanteau term that he has used, Circumfession. Uh, that is uh, uh, his autobiographical work, 1991. Some of the criticisms that were leveled against uh, Derrida was that he was very anti-rational, uh, nihilistic uh, opponent of serious philosophical thinking. Mm, nihilism means, you know, uh, what can we say? Uh, to make something null, nullify jia. So that is nihilism. So uh, his ideas remain a powerful force in philosophy and period other works. So these are some of the major works and the concepts you have to know or uh, bio you have to just, you know, know about Derrida. You can use in your introductions and, you know, when you understand the concept of deconstruction. Another important writer that we'll be uh, studying today is Roland Barthes. Uh, he was born in the year 1915 and uh, died in the year 1980. Full name Roland Gerard Barthes. He was also a French essayist and social literary critic. So the difference here is that he was not a philosopher. So that is how you have to understand Derrida was a philosopher. Now, one important uh, interesting fact about Derrida was that he was a celebrity. In his time, when he started all his works and deconstruction and all, he became a very like, you know, like a very much like a film star. He became a very popular celebrity, though academician. He was also considered, he was also regarded as a celebrity. He had many girl, many uh, women friends and also he was popular in that way. Uh, now, uh, coming to Roland Barthes, his writings on semiotics established structuralism and new criticism as leading intellectual movements. Um, next, he went to the University of uh, Paris, studied grammar and philosophy. In 1976, uh, he became the first person to hold the chair of literary semiology at the College de France, that is University of France. Literary style was uh, stimulating, uh, eccentric, obscure. Theories were very influential. He was influenced by writers like Lacan, Foucault and Derrida. He also influenced them and they influenced him. Now, some of the major works by Roland Barthes. His first book, Writing Degree Zero, a literary manifesto that examines the arbitrariness of language, mythologies, critical essays, Eiffel Tower and other mythologies. In all these uh, works, he, has, he examines mythology, that is the hidden assumption behind popular cultural phenomena. Uh, his work also on racing, it viewed texts as a system of signs. S bar Z, a line by line semiological analysis. That It's a work that came out in the year 1970 in which he analyzed a short story and the role of the reader in constructing a narrative. 
so the concept of the importance is given to the reader so he does a line by line analysis semiological analysis meaning a kind of you know uh, studying the structure signs and all and then he analyzed this short story and uh, his or and his he published an anti autobiography in 1975 its name is roland bath's by roland bath it's called an anti autobiography it's a new concept it's where you know uh, you write uh, an autobiography from another point of view anti autobiography uh, it's a new concept that was formed anyway uh, that is his uh, so some of the major concepts you have to know about bath and derrida Uh, another important very uh, fun fact you have to you know you can know about uh, derrida uh, was that i read this somewhere he was uh, you know because he was very uh, popular in his time he became a very you know star figure kind of a celebrity and he was uh, given uh, this uh, you know universities give these doctorates so uh, one uh, such university was given giving him some doctorate or honorary degree uh, or honor and uh, many philosophers came together and many of them filed a petition against it and they fought that derrida should not be given that honor because he is saying all this rubbish he is deconstructing what everyone else is saying so he is saying this his philosophy of deconstruction itself is very uh, foolish and it should not be promoted so derrida should not be given the award 19 of the world's leading philosophers came forward and you know filed a petition against giving derrida that honorary uh, award that honorary degree and uh, later it was put to vote and all and uh, derrida won derrida won the award Uh, so that is uh, you know many criticisms came up against derrida because he put forth such a theory deconstruction it is not easily you know you cannot easily understand it's not something you will easily accept also okay so i think uh, that will do for today's class uh, i think with one more class we'll be coming to an end i'll be introducing two more writers Uh, key figures in deconstruction and also the remaining a few terms that you should be knowing okay so thank you girls keep smiling <laughs>